Parasite, Encore, and The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine. This is Staying In. I've been absolutely banging through uh, my, my Battletech models at work. It has been, you know, I was saying, I was saying, you know, <sighs> it's a very calming experience. Yeah. It's a very relaxing experience. Yeah. That so hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. What, yeah, go on. What's Battletech again? All oh, right, yeah, no. Okay. Right. You can't, you can't just say, "Oh, I've been having loads of fun with my hodgepodge seventy fives." I'm into Battletech now. So uh, it's a game from like the late seventies. Oh, it's a tabletop miniatures game. Uh, it's played obviously. on. You'll, you'll find this very exciting. Hexes. Uh, and um, so Battletech um, do you know there's a there's a turn-based strategy game that's on PC it's quite popular it's maybe the people who did the Shadowrun uh, uh, turn-based video game so it's it's the it's the world of that and they basically did a start set a couple literally a couple of years ago now um, and I got my hands on it earlier in the year or very late last year and I've just started painting them up and they're really fun they're really like enjoyable to paint what makes a miniature fun to paint fun well i was gonna say like you know i was talking uh, uh i've talked before about like how it's quite a like a therapeutic experience and like sam you you know when you were doing the blood bowl stuff it's very like you focus in right mm-hmm. well the 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 simpler the models the more easy going and stress-free that actually is and Battletech models are like nowhere near as detailed as Blood Bowl models, for example. Is it just like um, you dip it in paint and it's done? <laughs> that was I mean, fun. <laughs> I mean, you you joke, but that literally is a technique for some models. It's called the dip and flick. You um you spray. Uh, I, that means something else. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's usually done uh, on um, bone. So uh, it used to do this for skeletons a lot. So you used to spray them white. And then you used to, you know, make sure they're all built and stuff. And then you used to get a little, you used to get the little pot of shade. Uh, so it's like a very what, thin what, what color is it? Paint. What color is the shade? Like a, th- a, th- a thin black paint. Okay, cool. Uh, and then you would dip it in that, and then you would literally flick it, and that would get rid of all the excess uh, excess shade. And then you'd be left with one skeleton that's basically already done. You could do it with like black or like a very dark brown and stuff like that. And they're really simple. But these BattleTech ones are basically, I mean, they're mechs, right? They're just like, of course, lot. They're blocks. They're just blocks. They're just big square blocks. And they just like honk around in the battlefield. And they're just really nice to paint. I've just been zoning out with that stuff. I've just found it's very therapeutic. Have you Have you been... Because obviously we're going to come see you soon, Sam. And that's why it got me thinking about you. Oh, yes. With the Blood Bowl stuff. I know we're not... I know you've said no to us playing Blood Bowl. <laughs> well, it is only a two-player game. Yeah, so. but two people can watch. It's... It's a, it's a, <laughs> we can do, we can do our own watch. little tournament. Yeah, a little tournament. Chris, Pete, keep, keep yourself busy for the next four hours because Dan and I are playing Blood Bowl. <laughs> yeah. We've got four turns to play. But um, yeah, it was because, I mean, are you still doing that stuff? Are you still painting? Do you, do you get the chance to do that at all? Uh, hopefully I'm off this week uh, and my wife is away in Iceland. So... Ooh. Hopefully, I'm going to do. I'm going to do. Might do a bit tomorrow. My aim is to try and get all my orcs done, because mm. so far uh, there is just one that's painted. And to be fair, he stands out of the rest of the orcs. And <laughs> oh. 
He's always getting the ball thrown at him. He's always getting targeted by the human team. So it's just you does, know, does he have like a sense of superiority over the other orcs? Oh, like, oh yes, most definitely. Lads. Yeah, yeah. You, you get yeah. the feeling it's maybe a little bit like when like the intelligent kid gets bullied at school. You're like, ha ha, you've been painted. Ha ha, you've had time and attention given to you. Yeah. So I've unfortunately the problem with now you don't get this, Sam, and I was kind of hoping you would, but um. When I paint, not only do I get into a nice zone focus, it also, because I'm finishing models, I'm also wanting to buy more models. Oh, and no. the, the problem no. is I also get that when I play the games. So I've been playing, we've mm. been playing at work a lot, a load of Kill Team, which is the Warhammer 40,000 thing. And I just constantly am like, I desperately, desperately want to buy some more now. I, I think I think I speak and... uh, on behalf of Sam's bank account when I say it's probably a good thing that he's not had that feeling because he spends an awful lot of money on board games as it is. That's true. That's very true. It can be very, very expensive. And, um, and also you could just... The other thing is you can fall into the trap that I also hate, which is where you just fill your home with things you don't use. Like, you can end up with, like, boxes and boxes and boxes of miniatures. Like, oh, I'll definitely get round to playing that. I'll definitely get round to building those things. I'll definitely get around to enjoying that sort of stuff. And then you don't. And it just sits there and it's all sad. So um, I can totally understand that, luckily, I've managed to not purchase anything. Except I did go on eBay and I did buy a single head for a model I wanted. <sighs> been really nice to like play a game regularly because that's one of the things that regardless of like miniatures game or board game or whatever like i tend to like try lots of different games so it's really nice to like focus in on one thing and like kill team for me and modeling in general has been that that thing um of just like focusing in and actually getting into and trying to understand the complexities of a game uh, over over a long period of yeah. time with lots of different opponents it's been nice it's, it's, been it's really like nice. what we're talking about with spirit island the idea right. of like mastering a game and getting you know getting your yeah. teeth into one single thing because we do we do play a lot like we do we do like I'd always do it whether like video games board games or films or whatever it never feels like we're really sitting down and mastering one thing it's kind of like well that was fun on to the next one yeah um, yep yep that's it and like like for me that's that's one of those things of like i kind of harp on about it because it i, I kind of feel like it is it is one of those hobbies that you do need to devote a bit of a chunk of time to, but I think that's also sort of the part of the pleasure of it in that, mm. like, you get into the thing. And, um, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. So I'll probably do another one of these updates in a few months when I want to buy another weird plastic head. I don't know, where he's buying a flower or something. Oh, uh, yeah, a few months. Jeez. <laughs> As as you all know, um, f- the the moons have coalesced. What's that? What's that thing that happens in The Witcher? The coalition, the coalition of the spheres, the conjunct, the the sphere uniting. The I've read the sphere bloody book. Sphere uniting. What's it called? The the conjoining. Conjoining of the spheres. Is it, anyway, is that what it is? That's happening. Some spheres are coming together. Um, for the first time since since, huh? Now, it was. Bristol, since we all met up in Bristol, which was, it was raining. I'd like to say yep. that that was like April, May? Like no, that. I think it was, it must have been, I think it was maybe after September, because I think Toby was already two. 
and he would have been two in September. Hmm. I don't know. I can't remember. I went to a wedding uh, very soon afterwards, but uh, who knows? We could look on Instagram and find out and look at the photos, but I'm not going to. Uh, anyway, um, yes, for the first time since then, the four of us are going to be together yes. again in yes. the same place. Um, and I'm taking this so seriously that Chris and I had a dry run of the weekend last yep. weekend. We <laughs> thought we'd um, get everything set up and, and work through a few plans of things that we could get up to over the weekend and see what will carry on and and actually put into place for this weekend when you guys are so so off so little are we together this is how seriously i'm taking it now so we went to arcade club in berry okay nice uh world uh, europe's biggest arcade three floors full of arcade cabinets computer games and vr consoles and stuff and one pool table <laughs> for the for the dead <laughs> just in case there's a power cup <laughs> yeah um it was incredible wasn't it chris it was it was extraordinary i don't think either of us knew what to no. expect no like I, I just went in and was just like oh look there's there's time crisis and oh look there's outrun too and then Yay. suddenly there was a man with a glove playing this um japanese um uh arcade cabinet where it was like this this circle of um buttons that you would touch in rhythm to this music and he was there with gloves and you know like when you go to the gym there are those people who every time they finish an exercise they like pick up their phone and enter it into their phone and then walk on to the next yeah bit of equipment like he was doing that but with this really niche japanese arcade game and he had yes. these gloves that he was playing it with. And, and oh, he was phenomenal. It's the only time I've ever had to stand and watch someone playing an arcade cabinet because he was that outstanding playing it. And there was there was quite a few people in this arcade club, which is what made it a, a really lovely place to be into. Because usually arcades are just like, oh, we've got 20 minutes to kill before The Incredibles 2 is on. Let's go and <laughs> right. see what level we can get to at House of the Dead. Whereas here, it was like, right, the weekend's here. I've got my annual pass to Arcade Club in Berry. I'm going to try and beat my high score on that particular mm. arcade cabinet. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just the usual, like, time crisis and, like, House of the Dead and all that kind of stuff. There was, there was one uh, which was a game which had, like, two of these large traditional um, Asian drums. And you'd have these sticks and you're like hitting the drums to the beat of the music was, so good there was another oh, cool. one where there was another one where the aim of the game was just to how well you could flip a table and it had like this big plastic table um <laughs> and all you had to do was just like flip it at the right time um, it's like burnout like burn with tables basically yeah it was Brilliant. it was um an excellent place and we got to play um some vr stuff like the first the, the really the first time i've had some like really dedicated vr play in a designated space that like i can walk around and actually move in have like have actually some like 360 movement in because before i've played it and been very sort of just like sitting in a chair and looking around holding a controller this is very much like a space where i can move and actually feel like i was interacting in vr which is great 
But even how fantastic that place was, we're not going there this weekend. Oh, oh. what? Come on. That was like the biggest lead. Come on, man. Oh. I was, was, was noting down everything. I was like, Outrun 2, I'll be doing that. Time Crisis, I'll be doing that. No, what, was was, situa- it, what was the situation on the price? Is it like, what, were the, what was the cost of each machine? It's all free. Beautiful. Love it. You, you, pay, you pay an entrance fee and everything's free to play. For as long See, there's as no queuing. There's no waiting around. You just walk, walk and talk freely. Oh, that's free. I'll hop on there. I'll hop off. Well, yeah. Pete, Pete, I believe that we're getting the same train on Friday. So why don't me and you head to Berry? <gasps> if you, if you guys want to go to Berry, be my <laughs> guest. Oh, that would be amazing. Let's go, Dan. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Good, good luck to you. Have fun. Oh. I really, you know, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was actually the good old fashioned pinball machines there was like a whole oh, bank yes. of these and there was just something so lovely because i was addicted to you remember that pinball game you could get on was it windows 98 or something you get a pinball yes. game on it yeah space cadet yeah that was it. i was addicted to that and i just i went through like a ton of them at this venue i did an adam's family one i did an x-files one i did a uh, what was it that roller skating one uh from yeah. the future yeah, yeah. Where in the future, Thermos is as big a brand as Pepsi, according to this <laughs> machine, which made me laugh. Um, well, it's a whole and, it, and it was just so cool, like unlocking stuff as you're going. Oh, it was just fantastic, and watching this whirly gig of ball bearings kind of going around. It was just so, so good. Really, really nice. So that lovely kind of that mix of the the kind of the the high tech VR cutting edge stuff. And the really old school retro stuff that's and everything's treated with the same degree of reverence. It's not like the pinball machines are, you know, gathering dust in the corner somewhere. They're right there on in the middle, you know. Right yeah. next to like Time Crisis Two and things. Oh, it's yeah, so, and then, so and good. then like a bank of PCs all play, playing Fortnite and Overwatch on, like, you know, there's it's definitely a, a great mix and then some people playing Smash Brothers and FIFA and stuff. Um it is great, but I just don't I think I think our weekend is destined for bigger and better things basically um, pete sam has thinks well i've had my fill of this place though so i don't yeah, want to go yeah. back again <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean we were in there for two hours and it's a, and it's quite a long way to go and then after two hours like the sensory overload was just like my god like i would i'd love to have gone back but we were all like my god that's like visually exhausting i was i was in an arcade um a, a month or so ago and like you come out of it and you're just like Oh God! I feel like I've I feel like I've been in like a trench for thirty minutes, like <laughs> just like and it and it, it it's like it's because like you've been around like bang 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 ah ah <laughs> like so much stuff <laughs> just trying to, yeah, just trying to grab your attention and you're like oh my God yeah yeah it's, it's yeah intense. we had to have pizza <laughs> it's actually no down. we had pasta I had pasta. Yeah, we all had pasta because I'd forgotten that we were having pizza that night and I took us to Pizza Express. (laughs) You fool. (laughs) I was doing well. No, yeah. Um, But there was one thing at the weekend which I am going to carry over into our weekend together, which Mm -hmm. is that I think we should all play the crew. Are you talking about the uh, somewhat disappointing, much-hyped driving game from Ubisoft? Yeah. (laughs) It can't be that disappointing. It got a sequel. Well, uh, yes, that's yeah, that's definitely that's, how video games. Yeah, work. that's not a great barometer. There's a lot of games that weren't good that got sequels. Didn't that have like um, 
radio towers as well, like radio towers for cars. It was Assassin's Creed, but like yeah, yeah, but in a car. Yeah, which trying to climb the trying to climb the towers was hell. It really was. This is not the Ubisoft classic, The Crew. This is uh, a a brand new game um, called The Crew: The Quest for Planet Nine. So the idea of the game is ever since Pluto was downgraded, boohoo, there actually appears to be a ninth planet, and Hmm. you play as a group of astronauts uh, heading out into space to try and get to this mysterious ninth planet. Designed by Thomas Singh, uh, Cosmos are publishing it. And not to bury the lead on this one, but it's it's really great. <laughs> it's really good. Um, okay. And we are definitely going to play it. It's, it's a trick-taking game, but it's a cooperative trick-taking game. What do you mean by um, trick-taking game? Okay, so... Trick-taking games are pretty much make up the basis for most European card games, or at least that's what my the Penguin Book of Card Games tells me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so how a trick-taking game works, Dan, is essentially there there will be a leader, there will be someone who's like plays a card down first, and in the case of the crew, it's the commander, and they'll put a card down, and the card will have a number in the corner. And it will be of a particular suit. So usually in trick-taking games, you're using like clubs, spades, diamonds, and and hearts. But in the crew, the suits are different colours. So you've got green, yellow, um, pink, blue, and stay with me on this, rockets. <laughs> so what? whoever the commander is Obviously. puts down a card, mm. and that starts the trick. Okay. Now, every other player around the table has to um, match what's called the leading trick or whatever led the trick. So you have to put down a card that matches the suit that was the first card to be put down. Okay. If you can't, you can put down any other card you want to. But if you do have one of those cards that matches that leading suit, you have to put it down. Once all the cards are down, whichever number is highest that matches the suit that led the trick wins the trick and that player gets all those cards as a reward nice does that make sense yeah yeah okay i'm on board so that's essentially how the crew works at its basis mechanics but it does this wonderful it does this lovely little twist on the trick taking game first of all it's a cooperative trick-taking game i was gonna say because that explanation didn't sound particularly cooperative no so yeah so it's a cooperative trick-taking game and the essentially what you're doing what you're doing with the crew is before you start playing the game you draw you draw a card from this tiny little deck and it'll give you say like purple three or yellow five and one member of the team the challenge will be for them to pass that particular mission is that they will have to win a trick that contains that card. Okay, so if you've got a purple three, that's going to be tough. Yes. What makes it even tougher is you've got to do all this in silence. Brilliant. So imagine you're playing the mind, but suddenly on top of it is this whole genuine like card game mechanic where 
you're not allowed to talk through the decisions that you're making or why you're putting down certain cards hmm. and then you have the crew and it's deceptively difficult especially hmm. if you're like us four where you have very little knowledge of what a trick-taking game is and <laughs> how trick-taking games are essentially played because at first you think oh it's really easy that's that card down yep i've got the highest of that card put that down and i'll win it mm. but there are 50 missions in the crew you have this little log book where you're working through 50 missions and each one gets progressively harder you're you're having to win more tricks you have to ensure that some tricks that some cards are won in tricks before other cards the other players you have to ensure that some players don't win certain cards after you in 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 order and you have to doing this all in silence hmm. and you suddenly realize that it's just not as simple as you as you think you as you think it's going to be and i severely underestimated this game and i thought it was going to be a lot not simpler i thought it was going to be a lot easier than than it was i think because i had in my mind how the mind works and the mind is quite simple really because there's no real tactical strategy you can put on it it's just sometimes it's just a bit of luck and a bit of you know planning mm. whereas the mind it's having a tactical and strategic <laughs> strategic it's playing a, a tactical and strategic game in complete silence with people in order to to get missions done so so you clearly are quite enamored with this yes what is it that puts it above what is it that actually like you love about it like what is it that because because you're saying like it, you know it's it's you know it's more complicated than you think and it's like mm -hmm. it sounds like quite an elegant system and it sounds like quite you know a, a relatively unique twist though we've obviously seen different elements of this from different yeah. games and this feels like a combination oh, yeah. of those things which isn't a bad thing necessarily but but what is it that that makes that turns it from a game where it's like huh that's interesting into a game where you're like we need to play this i think it's when we started um uh not following the no communicate rule because we mm. were we were like we were like being we couldn't get past mission three which is just where you'd have two cards out and you'd have to decide the commander chooses the first card and that means the commander's got to win that card as part of a trick and then someone else picks the next card and they've got to win that card as part of the trick and we just we just couldn't get past it hmm. and the game does have a communication tool which essentially you put down a card from your hand and you have this green token and if you put the token on top of the card right at the at the edge um closest to the center of the table that means that's the highest of that card you've got in your hand if you hmm. put it the furthest away from the table it means you've got the lowest if you put it in the middle it means that's the only card of that suit that you've got in your hand and that's the only way that you can communicate with a table um for that mission and we were we were really struggling and i think it's generally just because we've never really played with trick-taking games before right but so we started just like we sort of like let's forget the no communication rule let's just talk this out let's just talk about how we're actually going to be like winning these tricks together as a team and it's when we figured out that to win a trick 
one player would first have to deplete a certain suit from everybody's hand before we could even think about completing the mission objectives. Because how trick-taking games work is if you don't have the suit in your hand, it means you can play any other card into the pile. So if someone needs to win something and they've got the highest card of that suit in the hand... No, if someone... If someone doesn't want to win something and there's a particular card in the in on it's really difficult to describe, but this is why it's so good because it's just it's just the puzzle of trick taking. Say the card in the middle is pink, right? And Dan, you really want to win that card, but you don't have any pink cards in your hand. But Chris, the player to your right of you, has a pink nine in their hand, and it's the only pink card they've got. Okay? So Pete, you think the best thing to do is is to play a pink pink card. But then Chris has got to play his pink nine, which means he's going to win that trick and therefore we lose the mission. Hmm. So in order for Dan to win the to win this pink card, we've got to ensure that we know what other suits other people don't have in their hand. So we can start the trick with a suit that means that Dan can win it and make sure that no one else plays a card higher to ensure that Dan wins that trick. And like just talking about it is starting to melt my brain a what little bit. What concerns me is that it's starting to hurt my brain just yeah, hearing yeah, about but, it. But it's but we play we this is about an hour in and the minute that that snaps that we realize that the way to actually win tricks was not to like well if you want to win the pink card you've got to lead with a pink suit or if you want to win the yellow one you've got to lead with a yellow one the minute we realize that there's actually a greater depth and elegance to this game we were like okay, okay now we, yeah this is this is really superb like this is genuinely like some interesting mechanics going on here and so can everyone see everyone's cards no but 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 that's but that's the thing like so if you put down a green card and then chris puts down a yellow card you know he's got no green cards in his hand are you making notes and stuff or you can make notes if you want to but you can like look at the last trick that was played hmm. it i it, it sound it sounds complicated but really the the hand size is really small there there's actually it actually amazes you how much like information you can take on board with this game when mm. you're playing like just mission to mission and you'd like start like building like i know chris hasn't got yellows i know pete hasn't got greens so therefore if dan wants to win this card we need to start the trick here mm. and we need to do this because there's another there's another part of the game which is and i said i'd come back to it which is rockets okay there's a fifth suit which is rockets because there's another mechanic in trick-taking games which is called the trump suit and the mm -hmm. idea is with the trump suit is whenever a rocket gets played if it's the highest numbered rocket it will always win the trick no matter what suit led the trick and your silence leads me to believe that <laughs> no that, that I, I, i'll be honest i was i was waiting for you to carry on because that made sense to me that, that that's the, the, it. the term trump suit other than making obvious jokes um yeah that makes yeah that yeah makes it trump it trumps it trumps everything that, yeah, that's right. on the table right. and because the commander is chosen because they have the four of rockets 
the highest card in the game you already go into every mission knowing that there's one person around the table that can win any trick at any time as long as you play it correctly so what do the numbers go up to on the cards nine one to nine except rockets which is one to four and i think this is one of the reasons why this game works really well as a campaign structure because Mm -hmm. if every game was like mission 50 that that's yeah. a that's a horrifically steep learning curve but equally also if every game was mission 1 it'd be a bit boring and a bit light so knowing that you've kind of you can rank ratchet up the difficulty level but at the same time repeat earlier levels and not feel like it's there's no narrative so much attached to this per se i mean it's just there for you to keep a log and just advance through it really you you can play them you can go back and play them and not feel like you're playing it out of order or anything like that but that means that you can kind of pitch your difficulty level really really well so say for miracle of miracles sam uh, me and lisa we get to level 16 and then we've got two new people who want to learn the game obviously we're not going to jump straight into level 17 with them but we can go oh hang on let's just go go, yeah Yeah. i think i think yeah level three you've played a few trick-taking games yeah i think level three we'll start with that one with you yeah great yeah um and it just feels really, really, for a long time, I haven't felt this in terms of a game about how fresh it feels and how different it feels. It, it I, And I think, again, comes from the fact I've just never really played many trick-taking games before. And the, and the few that I have played, I've never really delved into with it, this much depth, depth because on the, on the continent in places like um uh spain germany uh and italy and like austria especially they have packs of playing cards which are uh, specifically built for trick taking like they have their their whole like decks are 32 cards in length i think and you know have specific like trump cards in them because they're they're, they're it's a lot more a part of the general culture that like when we when we're growing up we're always just playing head whereas in germany and and places like italy like i think they're just generally playing more trick-taking games uh in general and like so so for me it just felt like an exceptionally fresh game and after playing it i was could not stop thinking about you know just scenarios like how we would go about certain things like there's one mission which we haven't done yet chris which is the commander goes around the table and asks everyone how they're feeling and one person has to say they're feeling sick and then that person can't is not allowed to win any tricks for that mission so and they may have a hand full of nines they may have a hand full of like the highest cards and they can't they all they can do is communicate one card per mission so how so how on earth do you like bend the mechanics of this game around trying to fulfill this mission request and the manual is pretty overt about it. it says mathematically there's some times that just like the card's going to be against you and you know it's just not going to happen and there were a few times that we that we played into that a bit we just thought oh you know it's not going to happen you know it's not we're not going to win but when we got more confident with that when we felt like that in later games and like oh we're not going to win i feel i feel like i don't know if chris you agree you're a bit more like hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on i think we can do this and when you actually finally like work through it the satisfaction of being able to win those two little tricks on these early missions is just outstanding like imagine 
the feeling of the mind but instead of being able to count to 100 you've been able to strategically and and, and tactically figure out this like a thousand piece jigsaw like yeah or you've you, you've managed to plot all the colors of the rainbow in order yeah it's it's a sensational bit of work yeah it's 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 it feels really fresh really sharp and i i genuinely can't wait to see how dan and pete you react to it because hopefully you'll see in it what i think chris and i see in it i'm going to talk about parasite parasites which you're probably even you pete are probably aware of this you just won best oscar best sorry best picture at the oscars oh yeah first (laughs) non-english-speaking film the best the first non-english-speaking film uh to get that title the accolade and um fully deserved um this is a brilliant film straight up there it's a brilliant film directed by bong joon ho who i don't know if you've seen the last film they did before this was okya which was on netflix he also directed of course everyone's favorite sequel to willy wonka and the chocolate factory snowpiercer which is a phenomenal film based on a phenomenal graphic novel and um, I knew him first from a film way back, I think, in 2016, The Host, which is this fantastic monster movie. And what I really, really liked about that film was that, in particular, was how all the tragic bits of the film were hilarious and all the hilarious bits were quite tragic. And that was on purpose. And it was just really, really, really interesting. And so this director's got has cut his teeth quite a bit by now. And he has within it a fantastic cast, including Song Kang-ho, who I adore, I'll watch him in absolutely anything. And he's been with him from at least the host, probably before that. I'm not going to talk about this film, what it is, the premise at all, because the director has said not to. Um, It's the only time I've ever been into a cinema where I have literally haven't got a clue what it is I'm going to watch. And I'm, I'm a big film buff. I love reading up about films. I love watching trailers. I love getting a sense as to what a film is about before I go into it. This I hadn't got a clue at all just the title and the fact it was two hours and ten minutes that was it and i think for me to make this an interesting discussion i'm going to really talk about tones i suppose really rather than specific details which might be frustrating uh but honestly if you when you go and see it because you will go and see it uh no you genuinely will like okay well well, i am going to i don't want to bury the lead but i am going to go and see it tomorrow night I might come and see it with you. So, right, it's also a film that demands repeated views. Um, for me personally, it's because it is meticulously constructed. It's no, there's, it's no secret that this director was heavily influenced by Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact I can go back, rewatch it, and see those little clues that are hidden there. Um, it's not like, you know, Christopher Nolan's films are a bit like Rubik's Cubes, where yes. you just get the Rubik's Cube scrambled, and the pleasure is unscrambling it in your head as you're watching it. You know, the way he plays around with time, and I think his new film Tenet's going to be like that. This isn't like that. It's more like a, a kind of a, a Swiss watch where you can, you can take great pleasure in being able to take it apart and look at the, the craftsmanship that's gone into how it's been assembled. And the pleasure lies in how it, it ticks over. And you can just kind of marvel at all this hidden symbolism that runs uh, rife within it, really. And, and in terms of its mood... It's a really unsettling film. And I know what you're thinking when you, somebody says, describe something as unsettling, something that's a bit sickly, a bit ugh, a bit sinister. What I mean by that is it's a film that never really settles. 
like it's really funny but it's it doesn't get ridiculous it's really tragic but it's not really depressing well mm. it's socially relevant but it's not didactic it's not forcing a message down your throat that thinks come on man you're preaching to the converted um, it's exhilarating but it's not exhausting and it's quite measured but it's not really boring so that if- takes a really fine director who just knows his stuff and i completely trust june ho completely and it is just an absolute blast it it in, kind in of terms- if, if you were to if chris if you were able to go into this film and have and someone came up to you and said hello mr Tabby, welcome to this tonight's show parasite what would you like off the menu and you had to pick a food pairing to match the tone and uh viewing pleasure of parasite bearing in mind i'm gonna go and see it tomorrow and i'm on my own in the house all day so i might as well make something to take with me what what meal would you pick off the menu as like a a, a pairing dish for parasite i would pick a really like simple stew very simple stew like a broth but it's got mm. it's got something some exotic kind of spices and herbs and very fancy things in it but at its core like a pho like a pho yeah like a pho but at its core at its core it is a very simple earthy kind okay. of and but there's also that flavor in there you can't quite work out what it is until afterwards you finish digesting it you sat back on your couch and you're thinking that was it oh my gosh that i've just eaten that oh my gosh and and if i can't smuggle that into the cinema will some fizzy cola laces be all right yeah i'll do but like um but like it's a film that kind of it, it just it burrows under your skin it eats away at you like and i think like you can't help yourself but you know like how in the last of us they were inspired by those ants that get eaten by that parasite which takes over them and yes. basically yeah it's a bit like that with this film like i kind of want to go out and tell people i just want to get people to watch it so i can talk to somebody about the film because uh, me and my partner, as soon as we walked out, we just couldn't stop talking about it, puzzling it through, thinking about it, but not wanting to think too much. Because, like, if if I if I really thought about it too much, it would really affect me for the whole of my day. So, so hang on, you 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 are asking me, a man, to go to the cinema watch to watch Parasite, and then come home alone for the rest of the period that this man is on his own um, until his wife returns from northern countries having yep. just said that if you're left alone with this movie too long it might be we'll be there soon we'll be there soon yeah it will be there um, soon yeah but but it's not but like yeah but what state i'll be in dan but it's not is... I, like what i can say is it's it's not a horror film i'd say that for sure certain like it, it it's just like yeah if i think about it too much it's just like oh my gosh just from listening um, to what you'd say in terms of the tones and the way it kind of made you feel, I'm trying to think of kind of what are the films that obviously I'm not suggesting they are the same as Parasite in any way. I'm not talking about a direct comparison in terms of what the film is, but in terms of some of the themes and the tones you're talking about, it sounds to me that your kind of response to it was similar to the kind of film like Get Out. A lot of the things you mentioned in terms of the, your feelings, I got similar feelings from Get Out. Now, I'm not suggesting that the films are similar or the uh, themes or the content or anything is the same, but those that idea of unsettling stuff, that stuff that where you see it differently the second time round, you think about it afterwards, would that be a fair comparison in terms of the, the, the feeling come away from it? Yeah, I think so, definitely. I think in terms of just that, that, that playing with genres as well. Like, I mean, the director here, like Jordan Peele, he has his cake and he eats it he doesn't stick with one genre he fluidly moves between them back and forth 
and it just keeps you on your feet as an audience and 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 also like get out this is a very socially relevant film and it's going to be socially relevant like get out sadly for a number of years to come really and it's 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 korean cinema at its finest and i love korean cinema and i just think it's it's just fully deserved a best picture and you should all go and see it and i'm going to leave it at that um do you guys think i've got a problem yes yeah what sorry move on okay good good i'm glad because i think i've genuinely got a, an issue with uh roll and write games uh <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna dwell on it because i think i've just about managed to curtail my addiction mm-hmm. well you this. have used up all your pens in your house have you some more pens actually today chris i ordered some <laughs> some fine point sharpies jesus <laughs> in my defense in my defense i thought i bought some multicolored fine point sharpies because chris and i are about to start pandemic legacy season two and i went up into the attic the other day and picked apart the bones of pandemic legacy season one in order to find uh our character sheets from the first from the first games i thought maybe we could like it's been 71 years since the first disaster in Pandemic Legacy in season two. Maybe we can bring some of the family members of the characters that we had originally back. And I, I was also able to bring the coin. We had this um, uh, American dime that we used to, to scratch off all the, all the uh, scratchy bits of the cards. So I've got that down. So it feels like we're really living the legacy on from the first game. Anyway, but what annoyed me was that how most of those cards were written like some of them were written in biro and like scratched on and some of them in like a thick permanent marker and it looked really unprofessional so i bought us some fine point markers of different colors in order to make this season a, a, a more polished and professional one but while whilst i bought them i also thought oh they'll be useful for for roll and write games um and and <laughs> And also, I I got a game recently, which is kind of a roll and write game called Silver and Gold. And I actually opened it up and went, oh, wow, this has got those dry white markers in that I love. Oh, my God. <laughs> Immediately took the lids off and stuck them up his nose. <laughs> because it's gotten that way now. And But I think I, think I found my last one for, for a while. And because I, I was thinking that I've really got to curtail this. I've got to stop buying like roll and rights because there's only so much the genre can do beyond rolling dice and filling in things. But there was a reason why I bought this one. This one's called Encore. But the reason I picked up this roll and write is that it's because it's made. It was designed by uh, Inca and Marcus Brand, who, if you've been paying attention, are also the husband and wife designers behind the Exit series. Oh, so I was like, "Hang on, I really love the Exit series. I really love roll and write games. What happens when you take these two designers and and they make a uh, when these worlds uh, collide? A, when these worlds collide, what happens? This is either going to be a <laughs> peanut butter and jam, or it's mm. going to be a milk and black curd. Well, mm. okay." So there is no DNA, there's no genetic sharing between the two games. There's no like okay. delightfully wonderful exit the roll and write variant here. This is mm-hmm. this is purely just a roll and write game. That the, the, if I told you they were designed by two separate people, you you believe me because there's this really feels like no shared 
DNA. On call is very simple. You have a grid of multicolored boxes and you roll two dice. One tells you what color box you'll be crossing off on this turn and how many of those boxes you can cross off. And the, the strategy of the game is trying to figure out how you're going to essentially spend that currency. So therefore you can fill out this grid in the most economical and useful way because you can only f cross off boxes that are next to boxes that are already crossed off. When you finish a column of boxes, you get awarded a certain amount of points. If you cross off all the boxes of one color, you'll get awarded other points and so on and so forth until the game ends and then it's then it's pretty much done. Like there's there's it doesn't generally feel like there's anything new or groundbreaking in the genre, but I think it is one of the most pleasant roll and write games that I've played. And my in-laws only play one board game and that's Quicks Deluxe. Like they'll play Monikers and they'll play Medium and they'll play 20 Second Showdown. But in terms of like sitting down and actually like playing a competitive solo gaming experience, they only play Quicks Deluxe. And that's not just because of the quality of the dry white markers that come in the box. Hmm. So we were cooking some lovely uh, katsu aubergine for them. And whilst I was making it, uh, my wife showed them Encore. And it, as soon as they played it, they were like, we've got to get this. We've got to buy this. This is, this is brilliant. This is, this is incredible. And I think, it, I think that told me that like, I think I've just been like overloaded from the genre to really appreciate what it is that Encore does and actually the, the puzzle that you're trying to solve when you're playing the game. Because for them, it was this wonderfully fresh and exciting like world, like on oh, quicks, I'm dealing with numbers and thinking about probability, but here I'm dealing with colors and patterns and um, plotting and almost like, it's almost like town planning because it's like, if I use up those four squares there, that means I'm gonna be left with one red square, which is gonna be harder to fill later on. So maybe I should be focusing my efforts somewhere else on this grid. Hmm. And yeah, they, they absolutely loved it. And like, it's an exceptionally easy game to play, but there's, but there's something about it because every single sheet is the same grid. Like there's no randomization in, in, the, in the grids or anything like that, which at first I thought was, oh, it's a bit of a negative. Like surely they could have like jumbled things around and made things a little bit different. But then I realized like what, what Encore is to me. And like, it, and it really feels like it's like a bit like a comfort food. Hmm. And because the idea is, is like, and I think my favorite role on rights have all fall into the same genre. Quicks Deluxe is the same, like Quinto and Quantum. I'll probably put Ganshon and Dopout So Clever in different, in different piles. But those, those games, they are like the comfort food when I'm thinking of what game what game I'd like to play and what mood I'm in because that feeling of sitting down and, and, and sitting down and having a sheet in front of you and thinking right this is the same puzzle I've seen for the last five or six times now like what am I going to do this time like how am I going to tackle it mm. this time and what is everyone else going to do around the table and I think that's why my in-laws enjoyed it so much is it because it's like it's that shared experience of all trying to tackle this puzzle at the same time and when you see someone doing better than you like my wife always beats me at encore it's very i've never beaten her at it i think i beat chris once but that's the first time he played it and 
He was very tired. Um, so, but it's like, when you see, like, when I get 26 points and my wife gets like 150, it's like, huh, there's definitely more to this puzzle that I'm that I'm thinking on the surface. Like, there is something else to this puzzle. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those games where it feels a little bit difficult to recommend, but I think that, like, if anything about what I've said so kind of like piques your interest in like thinking of that like thing that you have on your shelf which is like yeah like let's just let's just tackle that puzzle again now or let's just like try and think of how we can like spend our time and just relax mm. for a bit it's it's a perfect it's just comfort food it's just one of those games which is perfectly like comforting and gentle and um a lovely experience and in-laws love it Kit Kat Chunkies are a waste of time, aren't they? Oh, what? Sam, no, what? I have heard. I have heard some. That hang on, Sam. That is that is that is a pipe bomb to drop right I there. I have heard some <laughs> some. Oh, look at me! I've got. Aren't I special? I've got really different opinions from Sam Turner. But but Kit Kat, Kit Kat Chunkies are a godsend. And how dare you? Why? 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 They're they're a yeah. bit. They're a bigger version of the delightful Kit Kat. But a Kit Kat should be enough. No, it just should be you know enough. What? You know what, Sam? So you know what, Sam? Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I just want a bit more chocolate, a bit more flake. But sometimes, you know Sam, I want to buy four Kit Kats, melt them together to make one giant Kit Kat. And there's <laughs> yeah, nothing yeah, you exactly. could do to stop me. Uh, Dan, Dan, if you want to do that, I'm not going to stop you. But just if you want more Kit Kat, Get four finger Kit Kat. God, you, this is some. No. Two fingers are enough. I oh, picture just... you, Sam. You keeping? I, I picture you're keeping your four finger Kit Kat in like one of those classic silver cigarillo cases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And if and if you want a tastier Kit Kat, you get a timeout. Oh, Sam, <laughs> this is. I'm not having it. <laughs> this is just. We've been doing this podcast for difficult. years now. Who who'd have? This is the closest we've come. I feel to ending. This is it's just it's just contrarianism for the sake of it. I I don't, I don't know if we can come back from these kind of opinions. No, I'm not having it. Bad bad opinions. Talking about bad opinions, we've had a question from uh, from someone lovely, uh, Robin Zwicker. Um, they sent us it via one of the usual methods that we have: Twitter, Facebook, Gmail stayinginpod at gmail.com is how you can email us there's also a bunch of other things oh you can go on the website now and it's all been updated with all the little bits and pieces where you can see all the ways you can subscribe and all that sort of stuff anyway loads of good stuff there go onto the website so robin has a question for us and um bad opinions since we're giving them out uh we should give one on uh as answers to this question which is have you ever had a crush on a cartoon character. Now, Chris, I'm going straight to you uh, because you seem the most likely to have... Uh, <laughs> he actually you, looks the most disgusted out you, of everyone. What do, you, really. what do you mean by that? What do you mean um, I am the most likely to? What evidence? You look, you look Pete, like Pete, you might I have I think you are the most likely. Daffy Duck. Me? Why? What, sorry. Sorry. No. I, I Basically, uh, when I look I'm, at Chris... I'm really going to be disappointing here. I, I can't think of anything, really. You can't imagine no, I, giving a nice little smooch to, no. uh, I don't know, I don't know, who would you smooch? Dan, well, who would you smooch that was a cartoon well, I don't, character? I mean, I'm, 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 
I'm on the same side as Chris. I don't think I've ever had a crush on a cartoon character. However, for the sake of the conversation and the question, I'm trying to rack my brain to think who, mm. looking back of cartoon characters, who I may have retrospectively had a crush on. Yeah. I'm feeling so because, I mean, this is, this is it's going to be a you thing. It's not going to be something that's going to recently happen. It's not like I've watched yeah, sure, yeah. the day. Yeah, like, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking. I'm talking my youth. So I'm I'm then swaying towards probably Disney because I watched a lot of Disney when I was young. So that kind of leads you into the kind of the Disney Disney for me anyway. Disney princesses that kind of thing. Because now now I've got now I've got a genre of cartoon characters now. Mm. Uh, come on, Dan. Like Dan. Come on. Don't bury the lead. You got to <laughs> just just say what you want to say. Yeah. Tell us. No, no, there's nothing I want to say. I'm trying to think of an answer here. I've got answers. I'm just waiting for everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. Answers. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I will go with Princess Jasmine from Aladdin. Oh. The Kit Kat of female <laughs> cartoon crushes. Okay. Pete, what were you going to say? I had two when I was growing up. One was the Caramel Bunny. Okay, yeah, I'm on board with that. Right. Now, if you're not in the UK, uh, then uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, but basically, there's a, there's an advert that was played in my youth uh, where there was, like, the caramel bunny, and she was, like, she was very sort of, like, I don't know, like, she was she it was it was meant to be a bit sort of, like, she had a nice voice, basically. I think that was, that was really the big thing for me. Uh, and then the other one, uh, when I was about four or five, uh, I think I had a crush on Flounder. Flounder? Yeah, from The Little Mermaid. I mean, I mean, there's a lot to unpick there. <laughs> I mean, there's, a, there's an awful lot to unpick there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god, you can get flounder costumes. Can you? Since the link. <laughs> Pete P has one. <laughs> <laughs> 21 quid. Wow. Not bad, is flounder. It? Not bad for Interesting. A not known as flounder. a particular sex symbol. No, I no. mean, but I, I, as I say, I was probably about four, maybe five. And I think I had like a, I had a little mini, a little mini crush on flounder. What was it? What was it? What was it about? What was it about Flounder? What did you like about Flounder? I think he was just really nice. I think he was just a really nice guy. I genuinely think it was just he was he was he was just nice to everyone. And mm. also, you know, you could really hold on to him. So, what about you, Sam? <laughs> what? what? Okay. Um, obviously, this is all under the the heavy caveat of time, and obviously the depiction of women at that time uh, appealing to a, a very certain sort of demographic yeah. right, Sam, we've, had, we've, we've had fish and rabbits so it's okay. <laughs> well it's about to get worse first of all okay yeah. as yeah. a child april o'neill teenage yes. mutant ninja turtles yes a classic uh, specifically uh, 87 to 96 oh right so you mean like the original cartoon yeah the original cartoon. right yeah okay cool i, I can be on board with that i'm surprised that jessica rabbit was on no one else's list mm. Uh, Princess Daphne, Dragon's Lair, even though she was a very sort of like the trope of princess locked in the castle, you know, she had a lot about her. Yeah. 
and then uh, the female squirrel from the sword in the stone <laughs> yes ah oh, there's a million jokes i want to make but i don't want to make whoever's editing this <laughs> have a difficult time that was staying in with sam turner daniel frost peter willington and myself chris darby if you've been affected by any of the issues discussed in this podcast i can only apologize and we hope your relationship with cadbury's chocolate or disney animation has not been tarnished However, if you did enjoy this episode, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to leave a review too, we'd be really chuffed to bits. Better still, why not get a friend or even just an acquaintance to give us a listen also? Finally, if you are keen to dig a little further, why not head over to stayinginpodcast.com. On it you'll find our page on BoardGameGeek, our Steam curation page and all the different ways you can follow us. At StayingInPod is where you need to find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Bye!